Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Digital Podcast. I'm Ian Broom and I'm joined by directors Mel Kanarek and Chris Diamond. Hello. Hello. Hey. Next week is the Sheffield Digital Festival, so today we're going to whip you all up into an excited frenzy by chatting to some of our marvellous event organisers. We have Amanda and Simon Cookson from Northern Value Creators, Tim Latham from Data Trainer, and Hannah Bick from Better Points. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hiya. Hannah's event isn't technically part of the festival, but it's so close that we thought we would uh, get her in to ask about it because it's awesome. Um, so what we'll do to start off with is we'll take it in turns to go through and uh, and just learn a bit more about you, uh, but also a bit more about your event. So Simon and Amanda, if you could kick us off, that would be great. Hi there. Yeah, we're uh, Simon and Amanda Cookson, and we're the co-founders of Northern Value Creators. And we're people that make tech-led businesses better by making them more human. Um, work with a lot of Sheffield companies, you know, people like Evoluted and Tutorful and Three Squared and the University of Sheffield. And we've got a couple of events that Amanda's going to talk to you about in the festival. Yep. So on Monday at 12 noon, we start with a webinar. Um, and what we did over the summer months, we spoke to leaders from across the globe who um, were working or leading digital businesses, and we were asking them about what does it mean to be human at work? Um, I think during lockdown and the pandemic, that blurring between work and home um, has meant that the way that we lead and the way that we are at work has changed. And there's also a movement in new leadership thinking about moving to that human space and bringing our whole self to work. And so we were really curious about what does that mean? And we ask key questions around the impact on leadership, on culture, on performance, and on well-being. So in our webinar, we're going to be sharing those key themes with everybody. And what we did is we worked with Sarah Smith, who is an absolutely wonderful visual storyteller. So all of these key themes and ideas are going to be illustrated. So that's going to be, I think, a really magical and thought-provoking um, session. And then on Friday, for those people who want to take that deeper dive and really reflect personally on, okay, so you've told me all these things that you've discovered about human leadership. What does that mean for me? What does that mean about what I can practically do and how I might want to change or adapt the way that I lead others? We have an hour that starts at 3.30 where we're going to give people that space to really explore, reflect and think about their own professional development as leaders. Sounds great. Fantastic. And Tim, could you talk to us um, about uh, about Data Trainer, but also about the event that you have planned? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, Data Trainer is um, an organisation based in the Barclays Eagle Lab incubator at Collider. Uh, we work with organisations to help promote the adoption of um, intelligent automation, AI, RPA, that kind of thing. Uh, we've been part of uh, Sheffield Digital. Um, since our uh, inception towards the uh, beginning of last year uh, and working with uh, Chris and Mel specifically within the digital festival planning uh, we all agreed as a team that it would be really handy within the umbrella of that event to have um, an event that was more specifically tech focused uh, and I think that the theme of discovery for the digital festival as a whole uh, really resonated well with me um, in that a lot of the early conversations I have with business leaders uh, is all about um, the fact that they, they've heard of AI, they might have heard of RPA, um, but it's not necessarily high on their to-do list in terms of improving their understanding and awareness, um, but they're keen to engage. And I think that's the same issue for a range of different um, in, you know, internet digital technologies like 5G, like IoT, like cloud services, um, you know, understanding what they can do for their businesses is, is a key first step for a lot of business leaders in the region. Um, so I've put together an event um, with some um, fantastic headline sponsorship, um, thanks to connections with the Sheffield City Region team um, from uh, Doncaster Sheffield Airport. Uh, and I've now got uh, a series of sessions starting at midday on the 19th of November. Um, looking at um, innovation, just uh, at a quite high level, uh, led by Innovate UK and the Knowledge Transfer Network. Um, we've got a session on um, uh, AI and data, led by BJSS, um, obviously a, a, a significant um, 
digital transformation organization with a presence in Sheffield. And a lot of these things are all about finding connections in the local region where you can start your discovery about this tech. Uh, we've got other se- other uh, sessions on um, cloud services um, supported by Microsoft in conjunction with one of their local gold partners, um, Systems Assurance, based in Sheffield. Um, we've got a session on RPA, which I am going to lead with one of my uh, one of my RPA partners. Um, and we've got a session from um, the Pitch In um, Sheffield University project, uh, which is all about understanding the adoption of IoT. Um, so I think you know each each one of those individual sessions is going to last about an hour. There'll be an introduction, a keynote presentation, uh, and then sort of twenty minute Q and A chat around you know the significant uh, issues around the uh, around the topic. And it's all about quite high level, you know, some understanding, some awareness, uh, and trying to illustrate for the uh, for the delegates how they might start to engage with some of this tech. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, your huge, massive digital transformation project. It could potentially be, you know, a small part of your business where one of these um, productivity tools can start to make a big difference. And then you can start a a journey to to incorporate one or more of them. Uh, And we'll also touch on the, um, the importance of the fact that these various different technologies uh, are almost manifold when, when you start to combine them. Um, so RPA, for example, is increasingly being infused with very intelligent AI. Um, the, the IoT um, adoption issue is going to be turbocharged by the growth in 5G um, and things like that. So, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, I've got some great speakers. It's going to be really informative. Um, the key issue really over the next two weeks is a bit like the, the technologies as a whole is getting word out there, engaging with people, piquing their interest and getting them then registered on the uh, on the uh, on the platform. And we're going to use the Hopin platform. Um, it, it could have just been just another Zoom webinar, uh, but we've decided to try and make it maybe a, a little more innovative, um, trying to lead from the front kind of thing uh, and use this sort of this richer, more engaging virtual uh, event platform. Yeah, I think we'll, it would be really interesting to hear um, a bit later on how you all plan to uh, approach doing your events, because I think uh, virtual events, we're all used to them by now, but I think they're probably here to stay and we can probably do them better. So it'd be really good to, to hear what your plans are. Um, Hannah, are you able to uh, tell us about um, your non-festival event, but still very fantastic and worth, uh, worth telling us all about? Absolutely, yes. So just to give a bit of background, I'm working for a company called Better Points. I'm one of the programme managers there. And at our core, which hasn't really got a huge amount to do with with our event, we are an evidence-led behaviour change company who uses app-based products and digital interventions to try and motivate change amongst different groups of people. Um, One of of our projects is working with a, a, a European consortium called EIT Climate Kit. And part of the programme of work we're involved in is called Inoui, which sounds very odd to a lot of people, um, but it actually means innovation for we, which is waste electrical um, equipment, basically. And as part of that project, we have a climathon to run. And a climathon uh, is a city-based programme that offers a clear pathway uh, and interaction to uh, an opportunity for cities to kind of come together and share and highlight climate challenges. Um, so just to give you an example, last year there was 145 different cities around the world all taking part within the space of a week together. Um, and these events are about an idea from bringing people together to create real change for a city. Um, a lot of it has to be kind of climate impact, but for us this year, we chose Sheffield to run this in, and the Climathon is going to focus particularly on um, how we get people to think about their electronic ways as a means to bridge in a digital divide. We know with COVID, particularly, um, it's really been highlighted that the last few months, those unfortunately without access to digital, those without access to technology, are falling further and further behind, and that spreads not just from children but through to people that are job seeking and of course we found ourselves with thousands more people that are doing that and so 
how do we get bits of tech that people have got at home? I mean, I can guarantee you've all got a phone in a drawer somewhere that you no longer use. How do we get those pieces of equipment, you know, old laptops, whatever it might be, into someone's hands that actually need it? How do we get these practical tools to those people? So the event that we've got, which actually starts on the 10th of November with the first webinar, is going to look at kind of the circular economy of waste electricals, look at how new production and the lack of recycling of these um, bits of kit have an impact on the climate and the environment and how can we address some of those issues. And the second webinar, which is uh, on the 12th, that's going to look more at the social impact. So who's, who's suffering? Who needs our help? How do we get to those people, particularly when we're all locked down? How do those people approach us if they've not got the access to the equipment that they need? And so that second webinar will look at that. And then the main event, which is on Friday the 13th, is going to be looking at a complete idea film. We've got some brilliant keynote speakers, Chris actually being one of them. Um, and we're going to kind of be discussing and talking and, and setting some challenges for the people that are attending to really drill down and deep dive into how, you know, how can we solve some of this problem at a city level? And then how can that be scaled to other cities? Because we know that, you know, the difference between rich and poor in a lot of the inner city areas is massive. So how do we bridge that? How do we bridge that? Not only in Sheffield, but can we do it in Manchester? Can we do it in London? Can we do it in, you know, you name it, where can we do it? So those are our events. Um, and obviously we're looking forward to getting everyone there to, to join us in solving the problem. <laughs> Sounds great. Mel, this is probably a good point for, for you to just to pop up and remind everybody what the format of the festival is, just, just without giving you any, any preparation whatsoever. Just, uh, <laughs> just, a quick, just a quick reminder of the dates and how it's all going to work. That's what I always expect from you, Ian, a request to pop up with no preparation whatsoever. <laughs> Um, so the Sheffield Digital Festival is taking place uh, online. It's a virtual event this year. Um, it starts on Monday the 16th of November and runs through for the whole of that week. You can find all the information about it on the website, which is sheffielddigitalfestival.com. And the way it's working is we we've created the festival to be sort of a platform for people to run their own events. So we've heard from Simon and Amanda, we've heard from Tim, um, Hannah, your event is amazing and I just want to shove it back a week, but that's fine. We're kind of expanding the festival to include it. Um, but yeah, people basically come up with their own ideas for the, for events and they set them up and then they load them up onto the calendar on the festival website. And then it becomes uh sort of covered under the umbrella of the festival as a whole and then we've got a big communications campaign running at the moment to make sure lots of people know about the festival know about the sorts of events that are going on and uh, can just come on the website and click through in order to um, sign up or register for a ticket or all that kind of thing so it's a marvelous example of creativity and collaboration in the city where um, all that the, the, the festival group, which is sort of Sheffield Digital and, and Field Design, all we did really was provide the framework and open it up and say, come on, people, come and run an event that talks about where creativity and technical excellence come together and help people to discover something about technology. Um, and the breadth of events that we've got this year is just amazing. I think there's something for everybody. I won't start reading them all out because you can all go on the website and check that for yourselves. But um, I do think that there's everything from the very techie to the very general and for different levels of, you know, whether you're a techie person or not. Um, and I'm just, I'm actually getting more and more excited about it because to begin with, not being able to do an in-person festival in the spring, not being able to follow up from the first one that we did last year, felt like a real downer. But once we switched to the idea of just doing something virtual, virtual and opened that up, the people just started to really get engaged and get involved. And um, yes, I'm starting to get completely overexcited about it now, which is my usual state of affairs when there's an event happening. Great, thanks, Mel. That's really, really handy. Um, we're all excited. I can feel it. The tension is mounting, etc. Um, so, uh, 
before we sort of ask you about the tech and to get into the into the weeds with with how you plan to run your events because i think that'd be interesting too what are your thoughts on the idea of having a festival in sheffield this is all quite new it's it, like mel says like it's a bit odd that we've had to go into like a virtual version of it so soon after launching last year but just the idea that that sheffield needs something like this or the or or the impact of it chris you have your hand up well, yeah, very, just, very polite, unexpected, <laughs> unusual. I usually just butt in. Um, I, on kind of on that subject, although it's not not about the festival in particular, I'm really interested to know uh, from Hannah why uh, Better Points decided to do the Climathon in Sheffield because it's part of a European program that does these these um, these events all over Europe. But you've decided to do it in Sheffield this year. Was that decision taken? At the beginning of the year, before COVID lockdown, is it has it just evolved that way? Was it always planned? What's the what's the reason for it? Um, well, it was more an evolution, really. We've been working with the the consortium for a couple of years. We did have a three year program um, with them, and the first year in which we worked with them, we were actually down in Bath, and before all the COVID restrictions, we were. Another part of the program is about raising awareness about electrical goods and trying to map the kind of supply chain but after someone's bought it so what happens yeah. to products afterwards and so we started this project in in bath last year and then we decided as a collective we'd move a city now we were already working with the university of sheffield um on another innovative program around kind of active and sustainable travel in and out of the campuses and so because i was already working in sheffield and because we'd started to create some really kind of strong and focused networks in the city and having links out to various people it just seemed to make a lot of sense rather than start from scratch and we know that Sheffield's a really kind of sustainable city as it is and so I think it was a really good place to kind of progress that journey with the climate climate on mm-hmm. um, and so it, yeah it was quite a natural and organic move really into into right. the city. You're based in Manchester aren't you and, and better points they're based Everywhere. Wow. <laughs> We're everywhere. We we yeah, so our head office actually is in Reading. Okay. Um but and our kind of directorship is, is down south. So we are all fully remote. We always have been. We've never had an office and so Right. You know, we can be anywhere and everywhere as it as it appears, but we have programmes of work in what we do generally from as far north as kind of Falkirk as to right down in Hampshire. So we are literally everywhere. We've just started some programmes out in New Zealand and we've got places in, in Italy. So we're kind of multinational right. now. So Business as usual, though. Pardon, sorry? Business as usual then, working remotely. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this Climathon raises new challenges, um, particularly organising events online is a very uh-huh. different kettle of fish to in-person events, which, of course, it would have been had we have been able to. Um, but it just shows what can be done online, for sure, and it, it shows that you can bring people together. And I think going back to the comment about, you know, Sheffield having a festival, it allows people from outside a city to come in a bit more easily and give their views and opinions and take stuff out of those conversations into other cities. So I think it just allows a, you know, a bit more scope for, for stuff like this, for sure. Yeah, I wonder if are, are you, all of you seeing that? I mean, I don't know if, you're, uh, if your ticketing is already up and you're, you're starting to see registrations, but are, are you starting to see some registrations coming from elsewhere than just within Sheffield? Amanda? Yeah, I think what I've noticed is that we're getting people attending globally. So when we were exploring into this kind of whole concept of being human at work, we know that we've got um, a really strong supportive community in Sheffield. But what surprised us was that people were coming from the States, from New Zealand, um, from the Philippines, from, from all over. And I think something that's really benefited us as a business is we can now operate on a more global platform so we've not yet had our first international customer, but I would say that in our community and the people that we are talking to most closely, it is now on that global scale. And I think when you're looking at something that's quite niche and quite specific, because what we're about is not only technical, 
businesses and technical leadership, but also in that more human way of doing it that's the opposite of that kind of bureaucratic and tell. We're finding now our marketplace has expanded because we've got the whole world to play with rather than the people that we could commute to in the drive time and get back for our children to be back from school. So it's been a huge opportunity for us. Well, what are you seeing in terms of your online expo? Um, yeah, our ticketing's only just opened. Um, I'm just going back to, I guess, the original question and in terms of, you know, this thing happening in Sheffield, I think there's definitely a huge opportunity for the festival to expand. I mean, the, the uh, inaugural uh, celebration last year really was just a just the start. You know, the, the plans that, that Mel and the rest of the team had for this year were... Uh, were to significantly expand it. And, and it was interesting for me to get involved because when I was um, going through sort of my due diligence and planning for my business, I, I ended up going to tech expo events in Leeds and Manchester to learn about this stuff and meet people. Um, and yeah, there's, there's, there's absolutely justification for, for, for something like this to happen. In Sheffield, you know, we, we are a, a digital city. There's plenty going on. I think we're, we're known probably still best for our, our manufacturing industrial base, but there's a huge amount of interesting stuff going on in the city and the, and the wider region. We should try and make sure that we, we note that, the broader city region. Um, you know, out in Barnsley, uh, another significant engagement there with Sheffield Digital, um, you know, in the health tech space, in the ed tech space, um, in gaming. You know, it's, it's, it's really, really happening here. Um, and again, you have the, the efficiency of time to being able to go to a virtual event rather than a physical event is is, is fantastic as well. I mean, our, our my event or our event is, is sort of um, surgery style. So if it's IoT you're interested in, you can just click on and join for the IoT session. You don't need to spend all afternoon with us. You don't need to travel and et cetera. Um, uh, and, in, and in terms of the international aspect and the reach going out beyond the, the locale, um, we, we're, like I said, we're only just, excuse me, opening up our ticket in just a few days ago. But we've already got um, people dialing in from the west coast of the US. Um, I noticed yesterday people dialing in from Iran, China and Australia. So, yeah, so words getting out there and yeah, potentially uh, yeah, the Sheffield Tech Expo is already an international event. That's that's like so amazing because one of the original reasons to have a digital festival in Sheffield was to put us on the map and exactly. give us something to, you know, wave a flag around and attract people towards. And being forced to go virtual has actually been a bonus in that well all of a sudden, yeah. you know, an event that maybe would have had a catchment of, you know, an easy drive or train journey into Sheffield suddenly is attracting people from all over the world and, you know, making them think, oh, well, where is Sheffield and what's going on there? And, you know, maybe they have a look at the Sheffield Digital website as well and maybe they look at some of the companies. So um, I think that's, that's kind of a, an unexpected benefit of being locked down in a way. Yeah. It's something we want to keep hold of. I'm just thinking of next year, you know, if everything goes back to normal. Is it, are we going to lose that that dimension or we're going to have to figure out how to do hybrid events with a part local, part yeah. virtual and mix it all up? I think it's it's so exciting as event organisers. I know it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tense and stressful as all event organising is, let's face it. Um, and a lot of this is we're doing this stuff for the first time and, you know, at this scale anyway. And, and uh it's all a bit unknown. Yeah, yeah. I would certainly think if, if you're looking for a, a new business idea at the moment, you could do a lot worse than actually figuring out how to run a seamless hybrid event hmm. so that the experience is as good for the people in the room as it is for, for the people dialing in from elsewhere so that, you know, it, it also sticks around so the event isn't just for the day or the week that it's on but there's an ongoing footprint you can go back and listen again all that kind of thing I mean I've attended way more stuff than I ever would have been able to if I'd had to travel to, mm. to go um, and it's also more cost effective certainly mm. from the point of view of the attendees yes. um, you know you're not paying hotels and all that kind of thing so so, yes, and if you do decide to pursue that business idea, um, I'd like a little royalty, please. <laughs> <laughs> and 
by that. I I think your point about being able to record the events and have them available for people to die. If you missed it, you know, here's the link to have it as a, as a recurring asset is, is fantastic. Yeah. Extends the reach infinitely, I suppose. I think a lot of the sort of big conferences have been doing that kind of thing for a while, but I think it's it's now that all events are are going to be uh, are being done this way. It's like how does that become like a, a cost effective thing? Because uh, if it, the, the reason it's the big organisers is because they have the sponsorship and all that kind of thing. So yeah, I think it's really interesting. I assume Mel, when you say you want royalty, you want to be on the board and called Queen Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Mel. Lady I'd rather have the royalty, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually... all, all I ever wanted, Ian, was a nice shiny crown. I know. Um, so <laughs> so uh, it'd be interesting just to talk to you. We, we were talking before we started recording a bit about the tech that you're using to run these events. It would be interesting to make that part of the podcast, I think, to a degree. Um, so just, just sort of briefly, if we go back to you, Simon and Amanda, how are you planning to run your events? And, and I guess, how have you been running your events over the last few months? Um, so the the webinar, we're using Zoom webinar and the workshop, we're using just the normal Zoom platform. Um, I think it's been a really interesting experience for us because when lockdown first happened, all of the work that we did with businesses was face-to-face. Um, and so potentially we could have been in a really sticky place. Um, but we had two very generous clients who were happy for us to experiment with them. And we adapted all of our delivery to be online. And I think that it's fair to say we've gone from sucking at online delivery to rocking it. So, um, so I'm, I'm really happy in this online space now, um, using the breakout rooms, using chat, being able to get that interaction. And I've also, um, because I am such a geek when it comes to how our brain works there's been some really interesting research that's been done by the Neuro Leadership Institute that actually says that we learn better and retain more things when we learn through this online platform. Because what we're doing is we're able to chunk it up. We're able to use different methods. So discussing in a group, using the chat, sharing documents, and that that kind of richness and layering, if it's done right, makes what you do so much better than what you did in a physical space. And I think that's definitely what we're finding now and what we deliver for our clients. The feedback we're getting is, this is awesome, this is so much better. So um, we're using Zoom, we're not using anything else um, fancy, but we're really using all of those tools and in a way that is going to be best for everybody's brains. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've I've not had the the same level of experience of doing that as you but when I have done events I've certainly found that I don't know why it's a surprise but the more you do it the better you get it's almost like that's the thing and um and 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 it's part of a, partly a confidence thing as well I think the idea of speaking to like a number of people and doing the tech at the same time is quite daunting but if you've learned the tech then it's no really different no real different to kind of knowing where the fire exit is and that kind of thing I think for me actually you know, it's it wasn't about learning the tech it was letting go of the idea that what you're going to do is the same as what you would have done face to face. It's different. You need to do it differently. And once you accept that it's different and you use that difference, what you create is so much better. So I think when online delivery is done badly, it's because someone's desperately trying to do what they would normally do in a physical space online. And that's when it doesn't work. That's what we did, didn't we? In yeah. sort of March and April when we were doing our sort of leadership development uh, work, our teamwork, our coaching, we tried to do what we had always done face-to-face and it just fell flat, you know, and we had to go through a steep learning curve in March and April and go through, you know, various iterations. As Amanda said, we had very understanding clients at that time which allowed us and we did it in partnership with them to just work through these things. Um, But by the summer we kind of got into a completely different space, haven't we? Yeah. Fantastic. And Hannah, you've been uh, shopping around for uh, for the best tech. Well, uh, yes. So we have finally made the decision to use Hopin, which is a 
platform that's used by quite a lot of quite high profile customers so far as I can understand it the likes of land or links etc those types of organizations and so we were in a position where we hadn't organized an event of this nature as a company ourselves previously um, because that's not our kind of bread and butter if you will um, so we started from scratch we looked at zoom we looked at kind of google me and for the type of event that we needed because it's an idea thon we needed it to be a little bit more interactive um with the attendees that were coming in and and the speakers kind of coming in and out we needed breakout rooms we needed a polling system or a voting system because the ideas will be voted upon to the you know ultimately the best idea of the day and so we needed something that was engaging that we could host videos on and, and so on and so forth you know these online events are one of the same for a lot of people but in my head and I think as Simon and Amanda have just said I wanted to have what I was having in person online so um I went out I looked at um there was a an absolutely amazing product um called Jam and it was in my mind exactly what I wanted but of course it came with a huge price tag and it just depends I think on exactly what you're willing to spend what your outcomes are needed you know those types of ideas so we also looked at Glissa um I don't know if I'm allowed to say all these names but I'm gonna say it <laughs> um, it's not the BBC we're okay <laughs> Oh, we're all right then. Uh, yeah, so we looked at Glissa, we looked at uh, Hopping, and we looked at another uh, relatively cheap product. So I say cheap, I say cost-effective, I think is probably the best way to put it. Um, Airmeet, which are an Indian company, which I think Chris appointed me to originally when we first spoke. So I had a look at those. Um, in the end, we went for Hopping. Um, but I think, again, going back to some of the conversation earlier with Ian and Amanda is that, you know, from a being able to control the tech and speak and organize and network at the event it's quite a lot to take on as an individual person so as a business we decided to take on an external company to help with some of the practicalities on the day which has taken a lot of the stress out of kind of the organization for us so hopping really reasonable cost up to 100 attendees and then I think it's just I think it's like 50 cents or a dollar or something for every additional person after that and so it's really reasonable the functionality is exactly what we need it to be we're hosting both the webinar and the idea thons on there we can record it and then of course we can share all the webinars share the keynote speeches afterwards and hope that people are inclined to go back and learn a little bit more about exactly what we're doing and, and the results of which and and yeah great and tim you said you were using uh, the same the same tool uh, yeah, yeah, we. Um, I, I went through a, I guess, a similar kind of uh, you know market review as uh, as Hannah's just uh, just outlined, and for similar reasons, settled on on Hopping as a platform. Um, I, I wanted now again taking taking my sort of the positives that I mentioned about having been to the events in Leeds and Manchester, uh, and the, the different dimensions of interaction. Uh, I wanted to try and replicate that as much as I could, rather than it being just. I say just another webinar. Um, so yeah, you've got the opportunity, you know, it, and, and it handles the ticketing and it's a, it's very much a wraparound service. You walk into a reception kind of area. You can choose to go to the main stage to see the, the keynotes that you're interested in. You can uh, alternatively choose to go into the expo area and engage with the, the different sponsors or whatever at their virtual stands. Uh, there's there's networking opportunities for the delegates to talk amongst themselves, uh, and there's really good um, sort of analytics and data analysis about the event and post event. Again, like Hannah said, it's all recorded, so it's available for for the sponsors to potentially you know re recommunicate afterwards, uh, and it's going you know, to be available for everyone to they don't get to see it on the nineteenth. You know they can click on a link and see it at any time that's more convenient to that it's quite interesting for the speakers as well i mean i haven't used it yet but i'm going to next week when on Hannah's event but there's a backstage area and a stage area isn't there so everybody China. who's kind of involved in producing the experience for the delegates has, is backstage and where you can kind of organize and chat and make yeah, sure a little green room yeah. Up. yeah green room um before you know one or more of you then go out onto the stage and and engage with the public i like that about it 
Tim, you mentioned the networking and um, I've yet to have a um, sort of productive networking experience at an online event. Um, And that's probably because I haven't made that much of an effort. I wondered if, (laughs) if any of you had any thoughts on how we make that work. You know, can, can we have, a networking experience at an online event, or can we only have something vaguely approximating it? What do you think? Um, well, I was looking when I was looking at Ermi as a as an event space. They had um, a really kind of they call I think they called it networking or ice breaking, but they could randomly select you to speak with someone else in certain sessions which would obviously allow that one-on-one and I think throughout the event you could directly speak to one other person on a video chat and I thought that was quite interesting from a networking perspective I think what we're doing in our event is at the end of the day we're having a uh, drinks reception in inverted commas everyone has to buy their own uh, we're certainly not getting around in um, but um, we're going to set a separate couple of breakout sessions at the end of the day and just label them as kind of networking so it would be more on this kind of a a zoom style um thing where people obviously have to talk amongst themselves but i think that's the closest we're probably going to get at this point on hopping um from a networking perspective i've I've done a speed mentoring event where you know you basically put in put in a room for five minutes and uh and company or startups pitch you know, give their elevator pitch and you have like a minute or so to say how you might be able to help them or not. And then you're on to the next one. And yeah. it's a very efficient way of doing that. I mean, it's not, it's not very free, obviously, but yeah, it, it's I, not the same as being stood in the queue to pick up your lunch baggie no. and getting chatting to the person stood next to you. Um, which is where I've always, you know, you just meet people and, yeah. You know, you talk about the event and you find things in common and, you you know, in the olden days, you'd swap <laughs> business cards. <Yeah. laughs> Do you remember those? <laughs> yeah. Compared um, with an actual conference, you know, going to a multi-day conference where most of the networking happens after all the sessions are over and, you know, the sessions, are, once you've been to quite a few conferences, the sessions are pretty much secondary to everything else. Yeah. I haven't seen that reproduced mm. anywhere. That, that that aspect of potentially going to a stand to, to hopefully engage with someone because you're interested in what they do, um, I think it can be quite frustrating at real-life events, you know, because there might be someone talking to them already true. and there might be someone else waiting. So you just sort of stand there for a couple of minutes and think, I could be here forever, I'll go and do something else. And then you never come back. So in the virtual space, you can just go into it on hopping, you yeah. know, play the assets, whatever, um, and then, you know, click on get in touch with me. Here are my details. And then they'll come back to you. Yeah, um, I recently went to a virtual conference that would have been held in Lisbon. And what they did is they put people into WhatsApp groups. So you had a random WhatsApp group of anybody. And then as the conference went on, there were particularly thematic ones you could go into Um, sessions you could join five minutes early so you then were chatting to the people who were about Um, and then in that particular conference which I absolutely loved um, and I don't know whether this is my my kind of the way my brain works but chat was was very very active so as the speakers or whoever was doing their thing people were then sharing in chat their views their thoughts other resources other links and that was where the networking was happening so actually for me i've made loads of contacts loads of new um, friends on twitter and learned so much from the audience um, as much as the speaker um, so i think that there are ways of doing it and i guess because i'm a little bit shy and a little bit awkward um, i find the whole networking thing physically with human beings incredibly difficult but in chat and in these kind of little breakout spaces i've kind of felt like i've i've been able to connect with people in a way that you know in the coffee queue is is super hard for me yeah i think that's yeah with like the millennials being more like that you know and increasingly less interested and comfortable engaging with real people but and preferring some kind of virtual engagement is yeah i'm probably a bit long in the tooth to relate to that i'm like chris maybe 
Um, I've been to a few conferences that engaged that that and, and enjoyed rather that human interaction, but maybe for a younger audience, the virtual mm-hmm. is even more appropriate. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I see that with my students a lot. That the back channel is where where the networking happens. Again, they're the, always the, chatting to each other. Uh, sorry, Chris. This is again something that we've that's been around for fifteen years. The idea of like a hashtag that goes that, yeah. that pe- people are using Twitter. You've got an event hashtag, and then people would post absolute filth to it, and event organisers would panic because it would appear on the stage <laughs> behind you. Something awful about the speakers. Um, <laughs> um, but but doing it this way, it's kind of all integrated you can and you can i always feel very uncomfortable whenever whenever i was at an event and even if i was an event organizer so at sheffield content club i'm I'm quite conscious that i've invited someone to come and speak and i'm sat on the front row on my phone basically and i'm just tweeting what they're saying and about the event but there is something slightly wrong i think in inviting someone to speak in person and then the entire audience on their phones talking to each other (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. something in the this this sort of uh environment where you can use a chat panel and you can kind of do the same thing but it's less socially awkward and we all know you can listen and type at the same time but um but but it's not quite so right in your face obvious that you're not actually looking at the person doing the talking so yeah the hybrid option i feel is the way forward isn't it someone Mm -hmm. needs to figure out a great way of doing that um, I think we, I think we're done. I wouldn't normally let myself have the last say there, but let's let's go with it. Um, <laughs> thank you all so much for, uh, for for joining us. It's it's really great to uh, to to have you in this year of of all years, especially. We need people to support the festival and to to run these events. So um, we we really appreciate it. I'm sure you would like to say the same, Mel. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm just hugely grateful to everybody who's putting an event on as part of the festival. I'm really grateful to the sponsors who've uh, come up with some money to support it as well. Um, Couldn't have done it without that support. And um, yes, and now I'm trying to figure out how I can create some kind of a networking socially event, perhaps on the last day of the festival, just to tie it up all nicely. But um, yeah, you'll have to leave that one with me. Just before we go... um, so uh, if, if you want to um, engage with um, Tim uh, or Simon and Amanda's events, obviously go to the Sheffield um, Digital Festival website and check out the calendar. But um, Hannah, how do people get, in, get involved in the climate on next week? Uh, okay, so we're on all... Uh manner of different social media if you look for the hashtag climathon sheffield 2020 uh, alternatively we do have a website which is climathon.climate-kick that's k-i-c.org forward slash sheffield all the information uh, is on there including where you can get your tickets um, there is just one ticket available through there um, and then you'll get links out to the webinars and the main event um, which are all starting on the 10th so yeah thank you all for for joining us we really really appreciate it and uh, good luck with your events thank you thank you guys good luck okay time for some news events membership information that kind of thing as always um so we're going to be mostly pointing people towards the website we've had a few blog posts go up on the sheffield digital website since we last spoke all of it's gold of course um but we should start off as we've all as we speak been um, a day and a bit into um, this sort of second national lockdown on on COVID. Um, we've had pages on the website um, uh, with information on COVID-related supports for months, um, and so uh, there will be some more added to it, but there isn't an awful lot extra to say, I don't think, Mel. Is that right? Um, so we have updated the page where there are offers from companies within the community in terms of how they can support other people and other businesses. So that uh, page is up to date. Um, our partners at Shorts have been really good at keeping their own website up to date with all the latest information on the different furlough schemes and other grants and schemes and what's available for self-employed people and all that kind of thing. Um, hand on heart, I haven't gone in and updated our page but I will. Um, but until I get around to doing that, I would just really recommend going to the Shorts website. They've got lots of good information available there. The other thing I would say is if, the, if people are having trouble finding particular information or getting answers to particular questions uh, with regard to the whole pandemic situation, 
then please let us know because then we can go and see if we can find out and and add that to a resource so that we're meeting unmet need, if you will, rather than just duplicating what's already out there. Um, so info at Sheffield Digital, if you've you've got a question that you can't find the answer to, and we'll see what we can do to help. Great. Okay. Um, so on the blog, we have a series of uh, new posts. So first one is about Sumo Digital and the new Sumo Digital Academy, which has been uh, put together to try and expand the talent pool to meet the demands of the UK's growing games industry. So this sounds really, really, really great. Um, Chris, could you give us a, a yeah, little bit more info? It's fantastic. I mean, well, first of all, Sumo are one of our founder members. So Sumo are one of the companies that were that sort of came on board right at the beginning to um, to allow us to create Sheffield Digital in the first place. Um, and they're a fantastic asset for our digital ecosystem here. Um, the really growing studio, I think they've now got seven locations, including international. Um, and they've always had a really close relationship with Sheffield Hallam and Sheffield Hallam's um, uh, games development course. Um, uh, and particularly Jake Habgood, who, who set that course up and was heavily involved at Hallam. Uh, so he left and has gone to work for Sumo full time. And this Sumo Academy, I guess, is the fruit of his initial labor in his first sort of year at, at, the, at the studio. Uh, and it's essentially um, a, a new academy for games development where they're taking um, people who don't have a, a computing background. So this is not software engineers, you know, retraining into games development. Um, this is these are people from the arts. One one of the students is from from fashion. Um, so people, you know, people with no experience in programming are going are going through the Sumo Academy um, and learning how to code games. And because it's a AAA studio, this you know this is this is not. This is not not a company that that, that does things simply. Um, obviously, they use um, they use Unreal Engine and, and Unity um, frameworks for for some of their projects. Um, so it'll be coding within those environments. But uh, it's fantastic. I think the, the the first intake was four is four students in September, um, basically to kind of pilot it um, and presume, presumably and hopefully that will expand. But it basically is a is another great asset in our. Um, talent pipeline for young people wanting to get into uh, our digital industries they can now apply to the sumo academy and no matter what their background um they've got a they've got a career path um where they will they will learn coding and software development uh within the games environment do we know if those uh those students are sheffield based yeah i think they i think they all are aren't they yes i, I believe so cool Great. Sounds fantastic. Um, okay, next we have um, the, the Asphalt Data Center makes the move to renewable energy. And I guess this is a nice follow-up from our chat with Dean Sadler. Um, and he's uh, also going to be speaking at the Climathon that Hannah told us about earlier. Yeah, so. he's, he's, uh, he's um, keynoting the Climathon next Friday to talk about how Tripad are, uh, are becoming or pursuing a climate positive business strategy, I guess is the way to put it, um, as he explained to us on our podcast uh, a few weeks ago. Indeed, and, and AS4 are uh, making the move to re renewable energy. Um, uh, so how, well, how does that work? So the data centre in Sheffield will be powered entirely by wind, hydro and solar energy. Yep. Is that quite hard to do, Chris? Well, I, I think, I mean, it, it, nowadays it's a question of buying the energy from the right sources, isn't it? I mean... It's it basically it's a commitment to sustainability. So uh, obviously prices for renewable energy are coming down all the time, but they've 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 obviously looked at the cost benefit and decided that this is this is the strategy to pursue. So it's probably a bit easier to do now than it was a few years ago because, as I say, the cost of renewable energy is is steadily dropping, where it's that it's competing with um, you know uh, fossil fuel sources um, and becoming cheaper in some cases, but it's it's part of this general movement within the tech sector in Sheffield um, towards sustainability and the green agenda. So obviously, across the region, there's a there's a, a shift towards this across you know across the whole economy, and you know a lot of a lot of the the region's economic planning is around sustainability and and uh, you know carbon neutrality. Um, so it's just brilliant to see another tech company, and obviously for a, a company like Ask Four, their data center 
you know, there's a big energy overhead. I mean, d- data centers and, you know, cloud computing has a big carbon footprint because of the amount of, uh, of, of energy that, that is consumed in data centers. Um, so it's, I, I don't know the details. I haven't looked at the, uh, the cost benefit analysis, but um, it's, it's no small thing to shift in, uh, that kind of energy use over to entirely renewables, I'm sure. So it's good to see. Yeah, and I think the more we see larger companies in the city region going public with this kind of initiative, the more mm. it just raises everybody's awareness and perhaps makes people think, oh, maybe I should take a look at that too. I think it's it's making that kind of behavior more normal, um, making it more normal for businesses to think about their carbon footprint and their energy consumption and their sustainability it's that's just got to be a good thing yeah i mean you know you sort of rapidly run out of excuses don't you <laughs> the, the, the more companies but also the more different kinds of company that do it yeah. so yeah it's one thing if you're an agency but what if you're a SaaS company or what if you're a infrastructure company or a or a cloud computing and data center provider mm. you know mm. so kind of getting examples of this strategy being pursued across all of the subsectors within the digital tech and media industries. Super. Um, uh, we have a series of uh, posts um, at the moment on the site, and I think there'll be more coming too, about career change. So the idea of moving into the digital industries from other careers, but also I think this idea of stepping sideways or, or, or moving into a, a, a tech job, even if you already work in the industry that's got similar skills but maybe not the the ones that you're using now something like i don't know going from a developer to a project manager or vice versa whatever it might be um so we've got um, a new series of posts about this on the website is this something that you think that's it seems to me particularly pertinent at the moment people are either being uh, mm. forced to change skills or move around mm. and be uh, be creative with what they do for a living yeah I guess. yeah well, the whole idea for this series came up because we were starting to see posts in Slack of people asking for advice um, on getting into the tech industry generally or um, making you know moves across into different sorts of roles. And these requests were coming from lots of different people. So they were coming from people already in the industry, people from um, other other technical roles, but not digitally technical roles. So wondering about how they would transfer their skills. We've seen queries from um, women looking to return to work after a break for childcare, all kinds of different things. And we wanted to find a way to respond. And and the way that um, Claire, who's been writing most of the posts, has been going about it is actually talking to people in the community about their own experiences. So finding people who have made these kinds of moves and finding out, well, how did you do that? And and what helped you? And what was tricky? That kind of thing. So I think it's pulling together a lot of really useful information. And in terms of the situation we're in at the moment, where a lot of people are facing redundancy or, you know, are in a career that they thought was secure and turns out to be not so secure. Mm. I think the more we can do to open up the tech industry and help people understand what sort of opportunities there are and what your roots into those opportunities might be, the better. Um, I think we need more information about what kind of opportunities there are at the moment and might be in the future so that we can find ways to match people's aspirations with opportunities that are actually going to be there. And then just to get on my usual hobby horse, there's also the thing about encouraging people who maybe have been thinking about it but haven't taken the plunge yet to actually look at whether now's the time for them to start a business and use their skills um, to create a new product or a new service um, to embrace digital as a way of doing something that, you know, perhaps where digital hasn't been used before, those kinds of things. And again, I would say our community is a, is a big source of help hmm. if you're out there and, and thinking about that route as well. I think it's, it's, it's part of, there's so much work to, to be done to make the digital industries more visible to, yeah. to people in general. Um, you know, people, 
especially in this part of the world, if you ask, if you ask people or if you ask parents, you know, like when I talk to parents of, of kids at the, at the university technical colleges where I'm a trustee, um, you know, you, you can talk, talk to people and say, well, you know, do you know how a bridge is built or do you know, do you know how a building is made or do you know how, you know, and most, most people do in this part of the world, people understand what, what it takes to build some of these things. They kind of, they've got kind of an affinity for them. But if you ask them how you build a website or how you build an app or how you build a, a modern, you know, uh, console game, people have no idea or their kids know more about it than the parents do. Mm. Uh, and so there's just a lack of understanding of how these things are made and therefore what kind of professions and opportunities are available within the industry that makes them. It just seems very opaque and, and like magic, you know? Um, And so anything like this that we, that, you know, kind of helps people understand what the different roles are and just how many non-technical roles there are within a technology company or within, within the process of designing and developing applications and services um, I was talking to, I've, I've been doing a, I've been doing a, I'm, I should say thanks to anybody who's listening, who's volunteered to come to my Q&A, industry Q&A sessions on the, on the uh, degree course, on the master's course that I'm teaching. But um, I've been inviting professionals in to talk to my students and ask, answer their questions. And they're, they're all um, students who are learning design thinking and digital design and development. And the vast majority of them don't have technical backgrounds. So they're coming to this for the first time and seeing them gradually understand all the different roles involved from user research to front-end development, um, testing, QA, product and project management, um, and stakeholder engagement on larger projects and all of these other, other roles that require an understanding of the product and the service and how it's built and what everybody else is doing but uh, but also mean connecting that with these external stakeholders or with customers and users or with business and these kind of things has been really really rewarding to see this this evolving so mm-hmm. i kind of so this kind of idea of cross training into those roles are the more that we can do to make that visible and to show people what you know what actually happens what people actually do and what routes there are to learning it yourself and you know get people to understand that it's not out of reach or impossible or doesn't require you to go back to university for three years to do a degree in it just to get in the door yeah the better yeah mel you you would really like people to complete the digital skills audit i'd really like people to complete the digital skills audit <laughs> if you don't know what that is there's details on the sheffield digital website um it's a um a national research survey into um, the whole digital skills area. It's looking at what kind of uh, skills gaps there are in the industry. It's looking at uh, people's experience of um, finding their role routes into the industry. And the data that's collected from this is going to be used to influence policy making. So we need to have enough people respond that the sample size is credible. Uh, And at the moment, we're only about 50% of the way there for Yorkshire and Humber. I think we might be slightly over if it's just South Yorkshire. But if you are listening to this, wherever you are in the country, you can actually complete the the skills audit and if you go to the UK Tech Clusters Group website, there's a link through to it. And then you can find the survey that's specific to your geographical region. But if you're in Yorkshire and Humber, um, the relevant link is on the post on the Sheffield Digital website. Only takes five minutes to complete. You can complete it for your company or you can complete it as an individual. If you're a company, you don't have to be a digital company as long as you've got people doing digital things within your company we still want to know about your skills needs as well so yes big please and thank you from me and uh, chris do you want to give us an update on the uh, national center for edtech um there's not very much to report to be honest we're in the final stages of producing the uh, the final report and and closing the this initial exercise off finally um but uh, yeah, I think there, there will be there'll be more to engage with once it's been digested by the stakeholders and uh, we've kind of come to an agreement on what the next steps are to do it. But um, it, it very much um, 
still has a lot of support. And do you still have um, everything you need at the moment for the Donate Your Tech project? Yeah, so um, so as as we sort of talked about earlier, I'm going to be speaking at the uh, at the Climathon next Friday, and I I intend to demo it. So it's going to have its first sort of live public demo of the system. Um, the the system, the MVP of the system is. Um, kind of at a stage where we can start um, showing people and and uh, showing how it works. We've had a brilliant um, brand and uh, design that's been produced for us by Field um, that they're, they're busily working on actually this week. Uh, and just this week, um, Hive IT have come on board to do the front-end dev on it as well. So so hopefully we'll have it looking like a, a real application by the, the Climathon next week. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then you, people will be able to see what it's about, and you know, I'll be talking about all the design decisions and uh, you know why why it's so tricky, why why it's not such a trivial thing to to create a platform that allows people to donate their equipment easily, uh, and why no such thing actually exists as a platform currently. So should we just do one last plug for the festival um, before we uh, we move on to? Um to uh, the, 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 all the other events. I will list them in the future when I disappear shortly. I will list all of the events in a moment. Um, but uh, should we just remind everyone, Mel, what, uh, what they need to do? So um, there is still time. If you want to run a virtual event during the festival, uh, you can still get that organised and add it to the calendar. You can do that sort of right up until a couple of days before your event, actually. So um, please take a look at the events calendar, see what people are doing and see if there's something that you would like to do as well. Um, I should say that as part of the festival, we um, have been created, or we, I can't talk anymore. Um, We have been creating uh, an app, an augmented reality app, with the idea that people would be able to walk around um, Sheffield and also the Seam campus in Barnsley and view content from different locations. But because we're now in lockdown, we felt it wouldn't be responsible to launch that at a time when the government is encouraging people to stay at home and not travel around too much. But we're still working on the app and we will launch it as soon as it's safe to encourage people to go out and about and experience it. Um, I'm hoping that during the festival we'll have an event that will talk about how the app has been created and that we'll preview some of the content and that some of the content will also be available on the website. Um, So yes, again, not quite how we hoped it would be, but close enough and, and the work is still going on. Uh, can I just add something to the festival that uh, we didn't mention before, um, which is that uh, we, obviously we, we do Geek Breakfast every Friday morning. Um, so Geek Breakfast on the during the week of the festival, uh, it would be great if people came and just talked about things that they'd seen during the festival. So we kind of want it to be like a, a drop-in chat for, uh, for people to come and share uh, things that they've seen or attended, events they've been to during the festival, um, so we can all find out what people's uh, experience was. That's a lovely idea. I really like that. Great. I'm going to let you two drift off into the rest of the day, and um, and I'll be back after a short noise to provide a list of upcoming events, most of which I suspect are going to be part of the festival. Yeah. And um, So that's it. Take care, both of you. Bye. Thanks, Ian. Cheers, Bye. Ian. Bye. Right, it's time for me to tell you all about the various virtual events taking place in Sheffield over the next couple of weeks. We start with the 11th of November. We are right in the middle here of the Barclays Games Frenzy, which is taking place all week, much like the Digital Meat Manufacturing uh, Virtual Show, which is also taking place this week. So you can go on the 11th, the 12th, and the 13th, which is very exciting. Also on the 13th, Geek Brecky. Friday every morning, 9 o'clock. We've also got the Emerging Technology Show 2020 and the Climathon that you already know about, having listened to the rest of the podcast. Next, we move into Sheffield Digital Festival territory. So the festival kicks off, as you know, on Monday the 16th. And there is still time for more events to be put on the calendar. But as we stand, we have on the 16th, we have Homeworking, a psychological perspective for looking after yourself. 
We have Being Human at Work, which you've already heard about. We have Sir Tim Smith. He's the chap who invented the Eden Project. He's, he's talking about um, how big ideas make great places. I think he knows what he's doing. Again, on the 16th, we have Using IP to guard your software innovation. Sounds good. On the 16th, again, it's a very busy day, we have um, Help Sheffield. That's the uh, marvellous Twitter account. Um, it's a Q&A. How have we got here? It's a good question. On the 17th, we have Delivering a Purpose-Driven Strategy in a Digital World. Sounds very interesting. We have on the 17th again, we have the virtual tour, Art in the Collection Store. That's by Museum Sheffield. That sounds good. And then on the 17th again, we have Successful Digital Transformation Within Government. Marvellous. On the 17th, from NatWest, we have the Business Builder, The Power of Mindset. Again, 17th, that's another busy day. It's almost like there's a festival going on. We have Discover Coding. It's a panellist session, and this is by Sheffield Women in Tech. So check that out. On the 18th, we have Tech Revolution Final Sharing Event with a keynote speech from the head of the UK startups, Marta Krupinska. On the 18th again, we have Are You Walking the Walk? Using an integrated learning management system to drive your business forward. That's from Point Solutions Online. They're organising that. On the 18th again, we have an overview of in-demand skills for the digital sector in Sheffield City region. And we have, again, on the 18th, it's the Business Builder Writing a 60-Second Pitch, another NatWest event. On the 19th, we have Getting Your Tech Business Investment Ready. There's no hyphen, so what does that really mean? Getting Your Tech Business Investment Ready. I'm not quite sure how to read that, but it sounds brilliant. It's from Berwyn's Digital, Garbett and Elliot. That's on the 19th. Also on the 19th, User Research and Design Workshop for Beginners. That's by the chaps at Paper. That'll be brill, they know how to do all that stuff very well. On the 19th, again, how to use Microsoft Office 365 to digitalize business processes. Again, on the 19th, it's the event from uh, Data Trainer, already discussed at length on this podcast, Sheffield Virtual Tech Expo. It's going to be great. And we have a Geek Brecky Festival special on the Friday, which is the 20th. I'm surprised Chris didn't tell us all about that, unless he did, and I've forgotten, which is possible. Also on the 20th, Money Talks. Can tech help build a better finance culture? Well, that's a good question. That's by the DMC. You can check that out and uh, and see what they have to say. And then finally, on the 20th, it's the Northern Value Creators again. Amanda and Simon spoke to them earlier. And this one is Human Leadership Workshop. It's going to be great too. That's also on the 20th, if I haven't already said that. So that's the festival lineup. I'm going to leave it there. I think that's enough events for you for one particular episode. But there's so much going on. I urge you to check it out. Go to the website. You can go to Sheffield Digital's calendar, which is on sheffield.digital slash events, as usual. But you might as well just go to the sheffielddigitalfestival.com slash events webpage, because that's the uh, that's the official festival place to go. Um, and have fun. Enjoy yourself. So, before we go, just time to tell you about the one new member, Sheffield Digital member, uh, this, uh, this month since we last spoke, and that's Glenn Faulkner. He's an individual member. And a huge thank you to Glenn. He's joined on the 22nd of October. Uh, we have no company members this time round, but that's all right. If you'd like to become a member, you can do so for just five English pounds. And that will uh, help support uh, Sheffield Digital and what we do. And uh, it would be greatly appreciated. You can see a full list of members on the website, sheffield.digital slash membership. That's where you go to find out more about how to subscribe and all that. And then you can go to meet our members as well, which will tell you who's currently a member of Sheffield Digital. And that's it. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe. We always recommend you do that. You can do it in Apple Podcasts or whichever particular app you prefer to use. And uh, you can find out more on the website as discussed, sheffield.digital slash podcast. You can go back and listen to all the previous episodes and interviews. It's a goldmine of Sheffield tech community. Lovely stuff and nonsense. And that's it. Until next time. <laughs>